O'Reilly Auto Parts, man, they are in the business of keeping your car on the road. They offer friendly and helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. You know the jingle? Oh, yeah. We're going to do the jingle at the end of this. Nice. I can't right? wait for it. Yeah. So listen. Listen to the end. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your car. Need your windshield wipers replaced? A brake light fixed or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, You'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, they're friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do it yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com. That's O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Ow! you better put that in there homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping it's never just about the house or condo it's about the home and what makes a home is more than just the house or the property it's the location and neighborhood dalton if you have kids it's also schools nearby parks and transportation options that's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home and when we say in depth we're talking deep in depth each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide they also have details about local schools with test scores state rankings and student to teacher ratio they even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent so when it comes to finding a home not just a house a home this is everything you need to know all in one place homes.com we've done your homework i am weird dude. you are weird <laughs> mr dale and hart jr that family picnic sometimes <laughs> gives you more than just a potato salad. That's the voice of my co-host and one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Mike Davis. We're screwed. Who's that mean? No, we're not standing in that box together in our underwear. <laughs> Are you kidding me, Mike? Oh, my God, that is hilarious. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It's Dirty Air, and it's Tuesday. And we're in the Bojangle studio, and I'm here again with my co-host, Mike Davis. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Can't yeah. wait for this show. Oh, really? We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do. We do. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I had a pretty good morning. How How was your morning? Uh, morning was going going pretty well. Good, good. You know, started off with some pumped up uh, 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 reads about insurance and mm-hmm. catastrophes you did and stuff no you did i did yeah okay. i got to i got to do it with you yeah yeah so I, yeah, other than that it's been great okay um well good i, I dropped off uh one kid at school did you do some drop off i did do drop offs but you did one kid at school and it went uh, flawlessly because you must have you were here early i'm gonna tell you man i, I mean we, i can't remember have we talked about this if we have somebody wave their hand but we get there and she gets out the teachers are at the car uh, to help the kids, you know, get out of the get out of the car. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As soon as that's over with, man, she 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 has her little she has her book her book bag <clears throat> has a handle on it and wheels, right? So she can wheel it behind her. It's it's a you know it's a book bags are different. Not like you used to have them. No, right? no. they never have wheels. Yeah. Well, Let's hers has little wheels. wheels. It's like a little suitcase. Yeah. Um, and she just takes off. I'm sitting there. And and peop- the person in front of me is pulling away. The person behind me is waiting for me to move, and we're going to leave, right? We're supposed to get – as soon as the kid gets out, you get the hell out of the Dodge. That's next, right. Next group of cars comes up. They're going right. to drop their kid off. So you got to keep the simile line moving. Yep. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like watching her, and she's just headed to class all alone. So what's the problem? She's five. Isn't that what you want her to do? I don't know. She's five. It's You're, so weird. What part's weird? It's, it's uh, she needs somebody to take her. Dude, she's fine. Okay, yeah, let her go, man. Let, I was, her, let her let her fly. Oh, let those wings go. That was hard. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> that was hard to do. So like you know, before, I wanted to sit there and watch to make sure she got there, but that was going to take about five minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, you're getting honked at if you do that. Oh thing. yeah, yeah, you got to move. I'm like, man, I want to walk her to class. What's up? <laughs> she's dang walking to class by herself. She'd be all right. Oh. I mean, You'll be driving right away, man, I'm like, that's perfect for her. She needs to grow up. I get it. She's got to yeah. get tough skin. Yeah. But uh, uh, that was tough, tough. I think you, you need it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think she's fine. I know. You're right. <laughs> that was that hurt my heart for some reason. Yeah. Man, that's right. They, yeah. you, you, you want them to, uh, you yeah. know, there was the time when they didn't want to get out of the car and they're grabbing your neck collar and ruining your shirts and all that stuff. And you're like, no, you got to go. But then when yeah. they go... No, you, want, see, you want to be missed. She was fine. That's what I was doing to her. I was to, I was yeah, pulling today, on her clothes. <laughs> Probably. Don't go. <laughs> Don't go. Um, Miss me. Yeah. <laughs> I Anyways. heard you ran out of gas in your pontoon. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> oh we had a gasp. We had a gasp yeah, from back gasp in the booth. The gallery of we actually, really struck yeah. gold here. Go yeah. on, Mike. Go on. Well, I, I, mean, I, I ran out of gas in the yeah. boat. Yeah. <laughs> How did you do that? I think the gas gauge is messed up. No. Gas gauge is probably fine. That's what they all say. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I have a history of running out, running things out of gas, and when when they run out of gas, it's always the needles below the e. But this one, it was on the e. I thought I still had another hour of cruising oh, to go. Are you man. serious? I really did. Who was with you? A buddy of mine, Chad. How'd Chad respond? Chad started videoing it. He thought it was he, he was joyful. He was yeah. just laughing. It was actually pretty pretty lucky that I ran out of gas right near the marina where we always get yeah. gas. So <clears throat> I was able to. Pull her on the pit road, but I had to. <laughs> I have this emergency. Do you have an emergency paddle uh, or like an oar on your boat? No, I. I, I did. Think I, bought, I probably do. Actually, I do. I bought one, and yeah. my wife thought it was the dumbest thing ever. And I'm like, you just never know when you're gonna need to paddle a little bit. Well, I needed to. <laughs> I needed to get it to the gas. You pump. paddled the pontoon. Yeah. How far? <laughs> probably. <laughs> felt like uh, a couple miles but it was more My like a it was, it was about 100 yards oh okay and then a jet ski pulled me in the rest of the way there you go what who was on the jet ski i don't know a, a good samaritan <laughs> and you don't didn't thank them i thanked them you didn't i don't, I don't, you didn't, I don't know you their don't, entire life history you don't know, know their name maybe their name was chad uh I, I don't know his name yeah yeah but i appreciated it yeah cool yeah i actually thought it was kind of fun funny mm-hmm. is it funny it's Do you think it's funny? funny? Yeah. I mean, I ran it out of gas. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the, the point of the whole trip was to run it at to, to run it low because I'd gone a couple weeks without the boat. 
you know, being run. I like to run it. I like to get the gas out. And um, <laughs> But then I kind of went longer than I was supposed to because, you know, yeah. having fun. I went all the way up north of yeah. 150 Bridge. You know, you can just put more gas on top of the old gas. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You don't have to run every tank empty. You no. can actually put, put, you know, you can just buy a couple dollars of gas. You don't have to buy a full tank every time. You mentioned this, though, a few weeks ago. What? There is something in us. We don't know what it is, but we are wired to see how far you can go on a tank of gas. Like, it, it's not smart. But everybody, including yourself yeah. and people listening, have run it out of gas when they knew they had options to put gas in it. Yeah. Not a boat, but maybe a car. Yep. Maybe something. <clears throat> and I don't know. There's something about trying to stretch it that extra mile. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I – I always run out of gas when the needle's below the E. I thought that there's a little grace period there in the needle gauge manufacturing that, you know, if it's at E, it's got to be below the E. There's got to be clear separation, but not in this boat. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. I want to make sure you're aware. Yeah, I won't. If it's running. on E, it, it really means yeah. it's empty. I won't be running out of gas on the lake. <laughs> no. I don't think. Not in my houseboat I'm going to get. Hey. No no, no movement. What's the update? <clears throat> There's no update. None? Sonny's hey. reached, Sonny reached out to the houseboat people about this little houseboat yeah. that I sent you a picture of, and they haven't responded. He was supposed to call him yesterday. I'll shoot him a text and see if I can get an update right now. But um, by the way, while you've been busy too. While you're shooting him a text, I will say that you and Amy came into my office the day after our podcast uh, last week, yeah. and we were talking about this houseboat. Amy's not in love with the idea, is she? Not well. It's. I think that everybody that knows about it thinks that I'm wasting my time. Not me. I don't need it. I'm not on that list. That I don't need this. They're right. <laughs> there I don't we care. Go. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's right. You Did got I tell it. you last week I didn't care? Not yeah. You you've made that clear. Yeah, I'm I don't just care about anything. I'm almost fifty. I'm about done caring. There we go. Yep. About done caring about that's right. Yep. Can't take it with you, they say. I if you uh want to know my opinion, don't care. Probably don't care. That's probably it. Yeah. I get I save all my opinions for this show though. So keep listening. <laughs> but just to be clear, yeah. he's gonna probably not care. <laughs> They ain't returning calls, Sonny says. Yeah, man, it's weird. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you this, um, and I'm sure the, the listeners are riveted yeah. by this conversation, but um, at the marina where I ran out of gas and therefore had to put new gas yeah. in my tank, the whole conversation was about you buying a houseboat. Like oh, everybody, shit. oh, I'm telling you. Yeah. In fact, there is a, the one that you are looking at, there's one just like it in the marina. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were showing me. Um, so Did you see it? Yeah. Just think about it. Yeah. I, I, listen, I don't know that unless it's at the bottom of the lake, I'm going to like the boat. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, right. you're going to show me a boat, I'm going to like it. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets nobody's missing out on the action this season all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this september get in on the nfl week two action with DraftKings sportsbook download the app now and use code dale to sign up new customers can bet just five dollars and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings sportsbook with code dale the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
For state-specific disclaimers, check the show notes. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DKNG.co football for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history, with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display. On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. We're going we're gonna to move forward. Let's move forward. So um, where should we start? Um, number one, so we'll just get on into it. Um, I brought something with me. I ran this Xfinity race this past weekend. This is word for word every piece, every comment and audio um, from the radio conversation. Mm. I had the, I had the, I handed Mike a couple sheets of paper, and it's basically all of our radio conversation from the race. And, and uh, Russell did this for me, and he said some of it's highlighted. So, um, anyways, I thought you might want to have some fun with that. We had a, uh, we went to run the Xfinity race. We talked about that. Y'all know we went and ran Bristol. If you listen to the past shows. And I was super damn nervous about it. I don't think I really been. I'm really sure about this comment I'm about to make, but I don't believe I've ever been more nervous in my life as I was before qualifying. Literally, people were looking at me, going, "You're freaking nervous!" Like it was written all over me. I mm. couldn't hide it. Well, you it said was it. So it was so bad, I couldn't hide it. I mean, it was usually you can hide it, right? You usually walk around and act like nothing's nothing's the matter. But for some reason, I was just really nervous. And then when I went out there to practice, so we get a 20-minute practice, and I'm going to go out there and run about 20 laps. Right away, the very first couple of corners, I was like, I have made a massive freaking mistake. Mm. 
this is harder than I ever thought it could be. And this, like, all we had was, all I had to base it off of was the sim. I couldn't remember. I mean, I can, I know Bristol and I know how to get around the racetrack, but I can't remember physically driving around the track. I mean, it was six, seven years ago. And so we went off in the corner for the first lap and I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is no, this ain't child's play. This is, we ain't mess, we ain't playing here. This ain't a pickup game. I ran lap after lap after lap and the car wasn't comfortable and I wasn't comfortable and I was, everything's happening too fast and I was not able, you know, I've said this for years, every time you go to Bristol, even when I was a full-time racer, it takes about 30 or 40 laps for you to sort of start processing how fast things are happening. You got to catch up to how quickly things are coming at you. And it's really only like that at Bristol because of the, you know, you're running 15 second laps around a half mile racetrack. And so I wasn't going to get 40 laps. If we ran 20, I still finished practice going, I don't have a damn clue. I'm not even close to being able to say I'm comfortable entering the corner. I might be overdriving it. I might be underdriving it. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've pushed the car to its limit on corner exit yet. I haven't found it, right? I haven't gotten to the limit. I haven't found, haven't been able to go around the corner and go, got everything. I got it all right there on that lap. So I felt like I was still way off and totally, and, and not real sure where, how much further I could go to push the limit before a problem, right? Before losing traction. And then I got to go qualify. I mean, I've got to go out first. I was a little nervous for you on that mm. part. Knowing how nervous you were yeah. when I saw that you had to go out first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so luckily <laughs> for me, I don't know if they do this every week, but right before, so we've got the track all rubbered up. There's rubber everywhere. There's marbles and all kinds of stuff all over the track. Well, lucky for me, they sent the pace trucks out there and the pace trucks ran like five fast laps, like a couple of pace trucks running right in the groove really quickly around the track and they were inadvertently picking up rubber and picking up imperfections and marbles and kind of cleaning the racetrack and so <clears throat> i thought man that's kind of good that's going to help me i was watching them out the front of the windshield i'm strapped in waiting on them to wave me out onto the track right mm -hmm. the nervous tension crescendoed to a like almost nauseating like puke moment let me finish. All right. Don't interrupt this. I'm not. And so I'm sitting in the car, strapped in, and my spotter Joey's on the radio, and he's like, about a minute before they send you. And you're sitting there. And there's a, there's an official standing at the, at the left front corner of the car. And you're watching his hands because he's going he's gonna to give you a wave or a, some signal, right, to crank it up. And he goes, 45 seconds, bud. Probably going to send you about 45 seconds. And so he's counting down, and I'm sitting there thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm about to pull out here. It's going to take me about 45 seconds to run this qualifying run. So literally in one minute, I'm going to be over. This will be over. In one minute. And I was, I was, it was, I was kind of take, I was kind of like taken aback by, how nervous I was in that moment. And then in one minute, I was going to be completely on the other side of that extreme. Relief. Yeah. and uh, But maybe disappointed, maybe happy, whatever, right, with the result. But either way, it was going to be over. And I'm a, I don't, dude, I don't know how, how to not get that way. 
I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I wasn't that nerve nervous or anxiety ridden. But and you, I don't know. You'd think you, you know, I, you'd think that it would be easier and easier the older you get. But and I think that that's why, you know, when I ask, when I joke, I joke about it on social media who do you you know who do you want to what retired driver do you want to see come back and run a one-off xfinity race and i tease jeff burton and i tease jeff gordon but i honestly think that while there are probably some good reasons why they don't want to come back and do that one big reason is they're afraid of not succeeding Hmm. there's probably some of that fear of not being good enough and so and and i think that's what i'm dealing with in that moment getting right before i go out and qualify i i ran some practice laps i was totally over my head and in over my head no way else to describe it the practice laps were were like trying to read a foreign language they made nothing made sense and now I'm going to go out there and try to run as fast as I can possibly go right to the limit of the car and hope that I get a good enough lap that will get me into the field. I was two spots away from missing the race at Martinsville on time when I qualified for that race a couple of years ago. Just a, just a couple couple tenths or hundredths of a thousandth, and I would have been out of that race. That would have been embarrassing as hell. Yeah. That's what you're worried about. Explain <clears throat> what you mean by it didn't make sense. Like, were, were your times that far off? No. All right, explain yourself. Times were great. Okay, I mean, times were fine. What didn't make sense? It's happening too fast, and I don't, I'm not comfortable. I don't feel the car. I don't feel the grip. I'm going in the corner and not doing everything feels uh, like I, I, you go, when, a, you know, when you drive a good lap, you go down the corner and it hooks up and you hammer the gas and you, you're driving the car on top of the racetrack and sliding around and you're like, I'm getting it all out there. I'm getting everything I can get right here. In practice, I was um, not able to get to that. I needed a lot more time to be able to work up to that. Right. And I, and practice was over and I wasn't even halfway there. That's fair. You didn't have enough time to get comfortable. No. And and so it, when you, you don't have a in between, it's either a one or a ten. Ten being the most comfortable, one being uncomfortable. You don't usually have a five or six. If it's a five or six, you feel like a one. <clears throat> yeah. And so you didn't get enough time. So I was going to ask you, Dale, you know, what exactly is the source of the anxiety? And I think you did just answer it. Your fear is not succeeding. But your, I guess I'm wondering, is that in the back of your mind, are you afraid of the wreck? Are you afraid no. of not qualifying? Are you afraid of looking like a clown, Mike? Looking like just just that's it. Mm. Looking like a damn loser. And I don't want to jump ahead, but we're talking to a guy that's led 47 laps of this race and had him covered. But 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 we'll get to that in a second. I mean, this is this is quite interesting, man. Yeah. I mean, like you you are buckled almost to a a debilitating measure of anxiety going into these races and everyone around you thinks that you got a great car you're a great driver if you just had confidence in yourself man imagine the possibilities i know um i saw um i saw this clip it was a great quote that was uh someone might say that there's two types of individuals 
you know, I don't want to get into the argument about athletes, but let's just use the word athletes for this. For this, there's two types. There's the types that fear failure or are driven by success. Right. Right. You're either either you you know as a you're either fearing failure or you're driven by success. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. It, we're maybe all to assume that every driver on the racetrack is running around there and some are, some, are, some are driven by the fear of failure. Some are driven by uh, the opportunity of success or winning. And this, uh, damn it, he was like one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Um, played for the Lakers. Uh, Magic Johnson, no. Kareem. No. Wilt. No. Kobe. 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 Kobe said, he said, I'm not driven by the fear of failure and i'm not driven by the 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 championship or the uh, the opportunity to become the greatest of all time he said i'm there to learn every moment in every moment i'm just there to learn i'm driven by trying to learn in that moment and i thought man that's exactly where i was going wrong <clears throat> you know if if you put yourself in a competitive situation right or even in any situation professionally right where you're trying to succeed and i wonder if that was i wonder if that would work in that moment if you could figure out a way to get yourself there instead of being me in that moment i'm worried about failure i'm driven by trying not to fail mm-hmm. right and I, I think i race most of my career that way like gosh i hope i don't fail today i hope i don't let you know i hope i don't disappoint me myself everyone else <laughs> <clears throat> that was dr- driving sort of emotion in my racing career. Some people are like, you know, some people might be thinking, you know, I'm here to win this race today and I want to win 100 and I want to win 10 championships. That's what's driving me. But Kobe was like, Kobe said, I'm neither one of those. I'm there to learn in this moment. Hmm. And I faced, I, I went, I didn't, I didn't look at, success or fearing failure i was just thinking what am i going to learn right now what am i going to learn in this moment and so i was thinking man okay so you go out there to qualify and just instead of worrying about making the field or worrying about failing just wondering what you're going to learn in this qualifying lap it sounds simple don't don't it yeah, but I don't. You're wired how you're wired, yeah. right? I mean, like we can all wish we were somebody yeah. different. I'm sure we could do it every day if we if we could. Yeah. But, but what's interesting about you? I'm is not. That, I don't. I'm not comparing myself. I'm just trying to figure out a way so as I go forward to try not to get so worked up. Yeah, because it sounds miserable, frankly. It is. It, it that part is. Yeah. Once you're through that, I mean, listen. When that qual like I like I said, when that qualifying lap was over, especially after I realized it was going to be a good enough lap to get into the race. The rest of the day was fantastic. What sucked was the first half of the day, right? Waiting for practice, waiting for laps, realizing, holy oh, we're in over our head. Oh, damn, practice is over and we're not ready. we got to go qualify and I don't have a damn clue how hard I can go. Right. Right. So that part was all miserable. But I guess if you follow the philosophy that, I, I saw in that clip about you know that Kobe was talking about is you just think man what am I about I'm just gonna what am I about to learn you know not oh I'm over in over my head or damn I'm not ready or is this gonna go bad is this gonna go good but what am I about to learn what am I gonna learn this 
in this next couple of laps of qualifying? What, yeah. what am I going to learn about myself or my car? And how, how am I going to get better? How will I be better on the other side of it? As well as you learn from failures. In fact, most people that succeed would, would have had a, you know, a pile of failures at which they were able to learn from and not do again, not yeah. replicate. That's part of failing. Yeah. You, you hope to, that's what you teach your kids. I'm curious though, let me ask you a question. If it's this way, and this isn't just exclusive for Xfinity Series races, yeah. it's also late model races. Oh, yeah. Florence was just a few weeks ago. We had the same conversation. We Why did. do you do it? Because once we got qualified, we had a totally, I mean, I had a, a, an amazing experience. Like the, I knew when I was, and when I, I knew when I stepped down in that car and got, I knew when I was getting in there for the race to start, I'm like, I'm going to have fun. This is going to be fun. And honestly, even in that moment when I'm getting ready to get in the car, I didn't know whether we'd run good or not. The last couple of races, I finished 15th and 11th, and they weren't, we weren't fast. We weren't driving through the field in either one of those. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, man, you might have another night of just sort of being, being there, not really being an, an, um, an impact on the race, having much of an impact on it. But that's fine. You're going to have fun. You're going to race laps at Bristol. I've missed racing laps at Bristol. I'm going to be in competition. I'm going to feel the rush and adrenaline of all that and <clears throat> running the bottom, running the top, and we're just going to ebb and flow. And it, it, I was so excited about that. Yeah. So that's why that's why it's worth going through the the emotion. The gamut. The, I mean, yeah, it's the annoyance of the gauntlet is worrying what? about qualifying. When I, I, I'll say this too, man, and I talked about this a lot. Um couple things i think one thing that really helped me realize that i could go uh that i could get through that part of it the anxiety side of it is watching chase elliott and briscoe and all these other drivers race other cars and things that maybe they're not familiar with right chase elliott went to run in the chili bowl a couple years ago and I mean that is a that is a the long the odds are long right that he's not going to make the main right the odds are super you know, he's look I mean the guy's a great driver several people have tried the chili bowl lately that are just not it's that's not their discipline right and I really admired that I was like okay here's a young guy and he's willing to go somewhere where he thinks he's probably understands he might get his butt kicked and dang you know i just need to go have fun even if i get my ass kicked that's yeah. the way i looked at the late model stuff okay i badly badly wanted to race late models for a long time if i could go back and do this all over again i'd have been racing late model stocks as much as i could over the last decade i still don't run them as much as i think i should be I think I still look back on what I'm doing now and think, man, I should have did more. But those seeing those guys like Chase Elliott, and, and I use him as an example, he's the only one I can really think of, but seeing him go do something where he knows he might not do it well and he's probably not going to win, but he's fine with that, really encouraged me uh, to just stop worrying about losing and being, being you know, you know, being a, you know not winning, going mm. into a late model stock race and just getting your ass kicked, it's okay. And so, you know, I think you're still wanting, even though you you accept that, you still go into these races and this Xfinity race this past weekend, and you still can't help but 
allow yourself to get competitive, right, and, and want to do well and not want to not want to fail. That and the other side of that too is is I've never been in that situation where I couldn't. There's a chance that I might not qualify for the race. I think that's I think that's plain. I lived my whole life locked in. That's right. Whether whether it's points provisionals, whatever, right? Um, I was always gonna get my provisional or or i was always gonna start the race mm-hmm. and i think in my cup career i mean i think there was a couple of weeks in the bud days where we might have taken a provisional i think there was one or two in there i don't know um but i'm I'm just saying like i never i never had to i never had to go into the weekend going boy i gotta hit this lap or i'm going home but there was once when and and, and you when you explain it, it sounds just like that debilitating type of anxiety. The very first race, your countdown to E Day, yeah. And and, and but but you were not locked <laughs> in. I'm going to tell you, I'm hearing everything you're saying, dude. And I was just like, I think that that fear of missing the race. Because what I wanted to ask you, and what I was wondering as you're talking, was how are you actually defining failure? Because clearly you can still have fun and not win. You can, you know, is it being competitive? What's competitive? You so, are going to be fine yeah. going 11th to 15th in a late model race. You can, and so you're like, I just don't want to get my butt kicked. But I think from everything I hear is that it's that, that failure to miss the race. If you can just make the race, yeah. you'll find a way to have fun in it. Yeah. Um, there was, <clears throat> it was, there was one other car there, so there. So if we didn't qualify in the top thirty-three, we were going to lose. Um, we were going to not make the race on owners' points. Uh, we were the lowest car in owners' points, right? So we would have been the odd man out. <clears throat> um, I think it was BJ McLeod was in the fifty-three car, and I don't know they hit the wall or something in practice, but they withdrew right when qualifying was starting to begin. I didn't know that. I go out there in my pants <laughs> and we get we get done i get out of the car and they're like oh yeah man that bj and them withdrew so we would have made the race either way and i was like damn it why did i have to sweat somebody could have told me that right and, yeah i mean it literally happened right as qualifying sure. was about to start but um and they had you know i think there was another team in the field that if we give if we would guarantee them our our purse money they would have withdrawn ah um, but we didn't ask them to do that. Um, <clears throat> okay, you know, so th- you know there was there's ways to sort of, pr- you know, there's ways to get ahead of it, and we just didn't want to do it yeah. that way. One I guess. could so, argue you didn't even need to because I know, I know, you, but you, I would have just not had to worry. There. I wouldn't have had to worry. I don't get so miserable worrying about that. I don't know how these guys do it. Yeah, well, I, dude, I walk up to. You know, I've watched Timmy Hill do that so many times in his career. You know, and Landon Castle, right? Or I've watched so many of these guys and never really understood what was going on inside their guts before qualifying or what they had to, you know, what they had to deal with on a regular weekly basis Mm -hmm. in terms of, man, I'm going to the racetrack and I, I might go home every you know, having to do that multiple times in a car that's not good. Yeah, well that, but that's their that's their reality, though. I'm going to tell you something. If you grow up and you're not locked in, in in every race, and you grow up knowing that you don't have the best equipment, and I'm not even just talking about racing, like yeah. in life, like the the fact of the matter is is that um, 
you know, hungry dogs are going to scrap and they're going to, they know their reality yeah. and the fact they got to fight for every meal, but they're not, they're certainly not worried about failure. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, I, I try to, I try to, I try to find comparisons with myself. Like, you know, like when we, you know, you and I are building a media company and we're going to come up with some ideas that are just going to flop, right? We're going to come up with ideas as long as we keep doing it. We're going to come up with ideas that we think are great and then they're just not going to be great. Yeah. And I know that I'm okay with that because I know that if you got to swing, yeah. you got to make swings and I'm okay with missing the ball. Completely. I know, but there's but, a difference. Okay. Keep going then. Tell so in pot in, in building a media company, I know I haven't spent my entire life thinking that I'm the greatest at that. Okay. So as and as a race, you know, growing up as a race car driver, I believe that I am I am the best. That's right. You 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 would say that. Right. That's you true. have to believe it. And yep. so even now, I know people say, "Man, you don't have confidence in yourself." I got confidence in me, right? Mm. But it's like when you put the whole puzzle together, what happens? Right? When you put the car in there and me and the crew and the new and the spotter and the limited practice and the track and all of that all the pieces come together is it going to be good and so when i fail in a race car i you know it's like man i don't want to face a reality i don't want to face that reality of 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 just not being good in a car because all my life i've believed that i'm great yeah i'm great at it and um you know even when i go out there and run mid-pack i feel like i'm you know i don't go well i'm just a mid-pack driver i'm just an okay driver there's a reason for it but it's not because you forgot how to drive right, right. And yeah so yeah everything else in life mm. i'm okay having failures because i don't proclaim to be the greatest at it or great at it right but when you really grow up in your whole being and whole world is i'm a race car driver right you just you you don't you don't ever want to and maybe that's part of why these guys won't come do a one-off it's like man they don't they don't want to have to face a reality of like uh possibly having lost that talent right or lost that that incredible attribute you bring up you bring up a fantastic point is that i tell jeff i'll I joke him with him a little bit but honestly man i would love to see jeff burton drive a race in a good car one more time and jeff gordon i would i would wow. love to see jeff gordon race one more time right yeah. at bristol in an xfinity car or something like that somewhere he was happy to be there right i think they absolutely would do great and they they're just like me in in like selling themselves short like oh i'm over the hill or i ain't got you know i'm i I don't think you know they're just worried about measuring up or being good enough and uh or being judged you're bringing up a fantastic point judged on stuff that's not even in your control because you drivers listen when you go you know uh how dale do yesterday or how jeff gordon do yesterday like whatever it was sucked he sucked yeah or you know, I mean, like you guys, uh, the expectations that are placed on you, whether they're self-inflicted or yeah. or whether it's everything around you, you, there are you do bear the brunt of the outcome, good or bad. Yeah, good or bad. Yeah. Um, Jeff it, Gordon went to Indianapolis Road Course about two years ago to race a Porsche, and a very competitive race. So Jeff Gordon in in the last you know. 
24 months, has been in a race car and competed his heart out, right? It, it, it wasn't no damn uh, vintage, laid-back, you know, gentleman's right. club. It, it wasn't a senior this was, series. You know, he yeah. was out there, and he, he was a, he was a bunch, of, bunch of kids in there racing hard, young guys trying to make their way. And he's like, man, I worked my guts out to run a half a second slower than the guys that were up front. Mm. Wow. And so I think that, too, when you have those experiences, like I went to race late model stocks, right, the last year. Yep. And bear, you know, qualifying outside the top twenty in a in a thirty or forty car field at Florence. I'm like, what the hell, you know? So th- you'll have those experiences and go go. Damn, man, maybe this is maybe this sport's passed me by just a bit, you know. Yeah. And I and 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 you and so I think something like Jeff's experience. He, every time I joke with Jeff, he mentions his his experience in that Porsche at Indy. He's like, shoot, man, I. I ain't got. I can't do it anymore. I ain't got it anymore. Well, you know, I would probably tend to agree with him after my cup, the couple of uh, Xfinity, Xfinity races I ran over the last two years, because I didn't feel like I had it anymore running fifteenth and eleventh. But <laughs> this past weekend, it's like, hey, you know, when things are right and you prepare and you the car's good, and you really go into it with your whole heart uh, and give it everything you got. Uh, you still got enough in the tank to go out there and, and do well. And that was a, you know, it was funny is, is, is upside down is, is behind and unprepared and, and over my head as I failed in practice. It was the complete absolute opposite in the race. In the race, I got those 40 laps I needed. Yep. Everything slowed down. Everything started to make sense. I was connected to the car. I'm connected to the cars connected to the track. It's all making sense and um you know it, we know that went really well for the most part except for the for the uh for the issue inside the car which we're going to talk about um but but let's talk let, let, let's back up for a second sure. the race starts yes well let's before the race starts okay so, um you know i have i wear glasses Ooh. right now i don't need to wear glasses to see everything in this room right i can see if i take these glasses off I can see you just fine. I can see everything. I can read anything on any of the walls or whatever, right? I wear glasses to be able to read uh, what's on this paper right here, If I, uh, this paper in front of you. I took these glasses off. I probably would be able to have to tilt my head to be able to make out the words. But anyhow, inside the car, luckily, I don't really need to wear my glasses. Um, and I've tried to wear them inside the race cars, and they fog up. And I've got to talk to the drivers that do wear them and figure out how they're getting that done. Because I think I'd like to wear my glasses inside the race car, but I don't yet. I haven't gotten to that point to where I feel like my vision is so bad that I really would like it. Um, anyways, we get, I get in the car. I've been in the car practicing, qualifying, but I ain't really had a chance to look around. Get in the car, getting ready to go out there for pace laps. And so... Uh, we're pacing around the racetrack. And I said, hey, what switches do I need to have on? And I see the there's writing on the switches, but I don't uh, know what the writing really says. And I can't stare at it because I don't want to smash into the car in front of me. Right? I kind of got a glance at it quickly and then look where, look where I'm going. 
But I can see one's a yellow switch, one's a red, one's a one's a white switch. There's three switches on the left side, and then there's stuff on the right side that I don't need to mess with. I look at every switch, and I know what it is, a big power switch, and there's a switch for the uh, um, for the ignition boxes or something. All that stuff is where it needs to be. I don't need to worry about this. But these three, one's engine fan, one's brake, and then the other is a driver back fan. But I can't tell what they are. I just know they're, I can see the color of the switches very easily. And I'm like, hey, all right, what switches do I need to have on? Well, my crew chief <clears throat> gets up on the pit box and his radio don't work. But he don't know it. So he's telling me, but he ain't, mm. nobody hears him. So, he, But he doesn't know he can't be heard. So he's just talking. And I'm like, uh, y'all, what switches? And then nothing. And then my spotter's like, uh, yeah, there's two on the right side. I mean the left side. It's a red <laughs> gear fan. And I'm like, and there's no gear fan. <laughs> Nothing on the dash says gear fan. <laughs> and so the, the spotter's Joey. He's, he's Joey giving me all kinds of conflicting and completely wrong Confusing. information. Yeah. <laughs> and then the crew chief's talking into a mic that's not pick, not working. And I'm not getting anything that he's telling me. He thinks that I hear him. And so finally I said, all right, guys, I don't know if I got it all right in here. You know, um, there's no gear fan switch. I'm just going to turn this red brake switch on. I, I, I got that on. That's the one I have on. And there's nothing coming back. I'm, like, hearing nothing. I don't know that the radio's bad on the crew chief. And I'm thinking, well, we're off to awesome start. <laughs> and I'm thinking – Okay, so information tonight will be limited. Uh, <laughs> They're giving me the bare minimum. Yeah, they don't think than, I need that other as apparently. I know. So I told them, I told everybody uh, when we started this, preparing for this race, I said, do not assume I know anything. Right. Tell me everything like I am racing for the very first time in my life. Okay, yeah. And I will, I will, you will never be telling me too much. I will take what's needed. And the rest will just go into the middle distance. So just tell me everything. And so we're starting the race, and I'm like, <laughs> um, but anyways, we get the race started, and um, I mean, I'm I'm running pretty hard, uh, trying to keep it straight, trying not to slip the car the tires too bad. But I'm running pretty hard, and I'm kind of running around 14th, 15th. I'm not really moving forward, and I'm like, okay, you know. Um. All right, car's okay. It's not great. It's not not like driving not driving through the field like a hot a hot knife through butter. I wish we were, but uh, it's gonna be a grind. So here we go. And I'm racing with Jeremy Clements. Me and him are racing hard. He finally he did something where he slipped or whatever, and I got by him. And then he was right on my ass for I don't know. Felt like thirty laps. It was probably ten. And I'm like, okay, you know, Jeremy's a good driver, but I'm thinking. You know, he's uh, he's going to run 8th to 15th. You know, on a good day, he's going to get in that top 10. And on, on, on his usual days, he's going to finish anywhere from 10th to 15th. I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of what I think. I'm, I'm just judging off of him going, all right, that's about where we are. That's what kind of car we are. And then as the run kept going, uh, we didn't fade as much. We started passing a car, then another car, and then another car. And then I think at the end, the whole first stage went green. If I'm if I'm right, <clears throat> when so 
I learn in the first stage, all right, on new tires, we're all the same. Everybody pretty much is going to about do the same lap time. So don't expect, I should not expect to be able to drive right through them on these restarts. But if we get a 20, 30, 40, 50 lap run, that's when we'll start to see our car shine. And so stage one, we moved up to 10th or 9th. We came into we came on the pit road, gained four spots. Incredible. And uh, we had the nine pit crew. Uh, and so they were fast all night. Incredible. It's like cheating every time we come down pit road. Yeah. And so uh, we come out in the we come out fifth or something after that pit stop. So I line up on the outside, get a restart. Now we're you know we pass a couple cars on the restart. Now we're up to third. And in stage two, I'm sitting there with the seven and the double zero in front of me racing for the lead, and I'm catching them. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where I was like, this is freaking awesome. Yeah. Now this is this. Now we're having fun. Now, like, we're having, we've gotten, you know, we've gotten what we wanted for Christmas and then some, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, you come down, you come downstairs and you're like, there it is. The one thing I've been asking for all year. And so I thought, man, I just want to run good top 10, have some good, be competitive. I'm not going to get in nobody's way. I'm not going to race any of the championship people too, too hard. I'm just going to hang out. Um, but we were competitive enough and fast enough that I could race them without putting myself at risk or them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to slip up and wreck and, and door somebody or flatten a tire or whatever, right? And so the car was so good that I could race as hard as I want and toward the front and not put anybody in jeopardy. But, man, when I was running down that seven and double zero, I said it over the radio. I was like, man, we're, this is badass. And uh, I knew, though, in that moment, even as I was saying that, that I wasn't going to try to pass them for the lead. I was like, you know, they were the seven was pretty good. He's trying to get around the double zero, and I thought as soon as he clears that double zero, he's probably going to be driving away. I'm going to just try to match their pace instead of trying to run harder and do too much. I'm just going to sit right here, and I'm thrilled to be third. Let's hang on to third, right? But you, but you also know that your car's good on long runs yeah. and that kind of thing. So that, yeah. that's what you're 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 thinking yeah. at that. Okay, caution comes out. And I think we came down pit road again, and a lot of couple guys stayed out. And the idea was is that um, we were going. I think it was like fifteen or so laps left in stage two. So when the end of the stage occurred, we would stay out, and everyone else that didn't uh, come down pit road would then pit, and we would leapfrog them. Right. Right. Um, I was going to be racing a handful of cars to be first in that new group right right so that when stage two was over and stage three began i could start up front luckily i did that i was able to maintain my track position so that now as stage two ends everyone's pitting and i'm going to have the lead that's right and so we restart i'm thinking what in the hell this is amazing uh i'm gonna lead so some laps your second <clears throat> christmas present of yeah the day. yeah so um restart stage three 
I ran really um, conservative on that restart. I was I was not you know I've not started on the front row and I don't know how long. I probably didn't give a uh, I, I probably didn't give it everything it had on that first couple of corners and I, I, me and the sixteen uh, Chandler Smith battled side by side a little bit and then finally I got to clear him and um, then drove you know got a pretty nice little lead. We had a couple cautions that broke up that little run. I wish it hadn't. I think that we had enough fuel to go to the distance. Uh, if we, uh, you know, if we don't get a yellow, I think we drive off and maybe win the race, right? Maybe. I mean, we're all thinking yeah. it at that point, you know. I think we ended up getting like a, you know, a straightaway lead and the cost should come back out. Was that just a product of clean air? I mean, like, I, I really want to know because you guys, you driving away was the thing that surprised me in, in your, it sounds like yourself, like you didn't ever see that coming. But now you're getting to drive this race car you're learning something what what was the difference between restarting on the front in terms of the drivability of the car well if any yeah it's a little tighter in traffic so when yeah. i was st that was probably why i was not able that I, I, you know now that i think about it when the when we started the race and we weren't really going forward like i like i wanted like any driver wants um it was arrow. It was being behind all those cars and being arrow tight and limited to the front grip and just being able to drive the car to to the limit of the front tires. As we move forward into cleaner and cleaner air, the car turned better and drove like you would want it to. And um, <clears throat> you know, I think that also we made adjustments on our pit stops mm. that were helping our car. So. I went to the truck race the night before, which I usually don't do, but Carson Quapple was racing in his first truck race for Spire. I wanted to be there to watch it. And so me and Josh Berry uh, and Steven Steffen went and set up in the stands to watch uh, Carson race. And I learned a ton watching that race. And I was like, so Carson's wrapping it, you know, driving his truck around the bottom of the racetrack and running real tight and everything and um i i saw him make a few mistakes that a lot of drivers were making just drive you know getting in the gas too soon the car the car or the truck pushing up the track and getting out of the grip getting out of the the treatment the spray and how that would slow his lap down and i'm like okay i gotta be more disciplined tomorrow i gotta be more patient with the throttle and um so that really helped me that's interesting it really did yeah the other thing i did was I watched last year's um, fall Bristol race, the night race, twice. Um, and it had a flow. And okay. it had a it had a it had a it was it had a recognizable sort of personality and patience. You would think that the Bristol night race, if I don't show you the race from last year, or you don't watch you know, if you don't when you think Bristol night, Xfinity you think urgency, racing your ass off, door to door banging, carnage, carnage. At some point. Yeah, you think right. all of those things. Sure, right. But I and I would if I had not watched this race over and over, I would have went into our race Friday night really overly amped up and just so on my toes and very defensive and offensive at the same time and probably too too worked up, right? Too amped up. And so, uh, but I watched that race and I was like, oh man, I mean, these stages could likely go green. That's a lot of running. You just need to find a place to settle. There's a lot of room between cars. 
once they get strung out, there's space, right? You're not, you're, there's not somebody right on your ass all the time, and you're not right up behind another car all the time, and you're not, you're not on the defense all the time, and you're not always hustling and and in trouble, right? And so I thought, man, this thing, this thing's got a really lazy flow to it, and if it does that this weekend, once we get under green, I'm gonna find me a nice comfortable spot and learn. And I'm going to figure out what the car can do and what I can do and how good we are. And then I'll make my, I'll risk assess accordingly, right? And, man, that's the way I ran that race. It totally is. I mean, even when I remember hearing your radio chatter, when they, there was a point when you just really wanted to kind of study your yeah. laps. And you told them, hey, yeah. all right, I got it. Yeah, I mean, we were leading, I think, or running somewhere. You were leading. T- yeah, and I'm, yep. and he's, you know, spotters telling me about the gap behind me and this and that and other. And I'm like, look, if it's good, if we're doing well and I'm pulling away, just no need to say a word. Because yep. I really, so there was, uh, there was a little extra grip on the yellow painted line next to the apron. 10% more grip, just a very min- minimal thing, right? And I had to hit that with the left front tire into the corner and exiting the corner. If I could do it perfectly, I'd stay on it all the way around the corner. Um, But the car sometimes wants to drift up a little bit in the middle. But I needed to really pay attention to that. And when somebody's, like, trying to talk to you while you're doing it, you're you're thinking, man, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss it. I need to pay attention. I need silence. I need I need quiet. It sounds like you need a precision. Yeah. And in the smallest little thing, it yeah. breaks that. It's hard yeah. to be precise. At that place, for sure. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and I've not worked with Joey a ton. He did a great job, fantastic job. He's a great spotter. He's got a lot of history and a lot of experience. But every driver and every spotter work out the, you know, I like this. I don't need this. I like that. I need more of that. And so we'll work through those things. But uh, And at Homestead, it won't be quite as critical, I don't think. I mean, when I – when I, I'll tell him, I'll say, hey, man, when if I'm running the fence like inch, inches from the wall, I'll probably need precision and silence, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> you you know, and he would probably know not to start, you know, break, you know, right. not to talk in your backswing, so to speak. Right. Um, That's a good way to Yeah. And so. Um, so you're being very studious and yeah. you're concentrating and you're just moving right along. Yeah. You're in the lead. So we get a late restart. Uh, I pit. So there were a couple restarts in the last hundred laps that I – um, made a few mistakes on my choose. Watching mm. last year's race, the bottom was no good on restarts. A lot of tires spinning. First, the first, second, third, and fourth car on the inside just struggled and lost spots. But this weekend, there was really good drive in the throttle for both grooves. And the bottom line could battle and hang on. They might not take the lead, but they were going to likely keep second or or third at worst. And there was a couple times where I could have lined up first car on the inside, and I didn't. I was really afraid of, of, of tire spin and losing multiple spots, right? So I chose to line up in, in the second row on the outside, and the restart would happen. And after about three corners, I'm fourth instead of second or, second third, or third, right? right? And I'm right. like, damn it. So we're sitting there running fourth, I think. Um, I'm I'm still not racing the car quite as hard as it can go. Um, when we would have restarts, these tires that we have would f- everybody's tires cool off, their cars fire off really well. So on every restart, everybody's kind of back up to full full potential, and you need I needed 10, 20, 30 laps before I could start to pass. 
So when the restart happens, you just sort of try to maintain and then, you know, don't give up any spots unnecessarily and then wait for the laps before, you know, wait for some laps to go by and then you'll be able to work by each driver individually. And that's what I was going to do. So I'm sitting there running. I got the leaders right there in front of me, a couple, couple, you know, a couple car lengths ahead. They're battling hard, the seven, I think the 20 and the double zero or That's some, right. somebody. That's right. So I'm like, man, I'm going to finish top four. No problem. And uh, I started smelling some. I, I started smelling something. I think the double zero goes by, and I smelled it right away. And it's something burning. I was like, he's, he, I hope that's him. I think it's something's going on with his car. And then I saw a car on the inside on the apron, slow smoking. I'm like, okay, maybe it's that car. I don't know what it is. It's something smells burning. And then I started seeing smoke on in our car, my car. I'm like, okay, now it's me. I know it's me. And I thought it was a fire buildup, uh, rubber buildup on the exhaust. I was telling the team about, hey, I think there's something burning. There's something burning. There's something burning. They're just like giving me lap times and talking about, you know, traditional clear, not clear, doing good, good corner, good exit. I'm like, y'all, we are burning. There's a fire in here. And I'm not, they're not, they're not responding the way I want them to. And um, I want them to say, yeah, well, we don't see nothing or we're looking right. or whatever, right? Because um, usually if you got a fire on the exhaust from rubber buildup, you'll see it through the left front tire. That's right. As the car's coming off the corner, you kind of look through the wheel and you can see it. Right. But they ain't talking. You might be able to see the, the fire glowing on the surface of the racetrack underneath the car. They ain't saying nothing. And then, like, smoke's getting worse. About five, six laps go by. Smoke's getting worse inside the car. And uh, then there was this weird feeling on my calf muscle. It was warm, getting warm. And <clears throat> that, and so my mind thought, oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's got to be fire burning on the exhaust. But it's, you know, maybe, maybe trapped in the tunnel of the car somehow or maybe on top of the exhaust uh, between the car and the exhaust under the right under the tunnel right there or maybe the transmission's about to go maybe the transmission's about to burn up but it's getting warm and it's my so I got my leg and my calf and everything slammed against the right leg board That's I right. am sh- like when I go into the corner I push my knee and my leg and my foot and everything to the right as hard as it'll go right and so um I lean I lean on the seat and I lean I lean on the board, the leg board. And so um I'm feeling that that warmth and that heat and then uh come up off of two. I'm getting really distracted at this point. Now I'm not thinking about where I'm at or where the cars are. I'm just thinking about this heat. And yeah. I'm, so my lap time, I'm not even trying to make lap time. I'm just kind of going around the track is all I'm doing. Keep Which, by the way, side note, Justin Algar said yesterday when we were talking, he noticed that there was something wrong because all of a sudden you aren't racing. No more. You, you, yeah. you, you are turning laps, but there was not something racing. visibly yeah. different yes. about the way you were racing. Yes. And so now I'm totally distracted, like trying to figure this out. And then I come up off of two and I got a, felt a pinch on my ankle. Hmm. And I was, and it was, uh, I was like, "There's a fire down there." And then, so I glanced down and I moved my leg. I literally kind of come off the throttle, and there's a ball, a glow, a fire. There's a fire in the floorboard. Like they ain't supposed to be fire in the car, Mike. Nope. Ever. Nope. And so, um, 
that's when I, I lift off the gas and I went left. And yeah. luckily there was nobody there. Um, Chandler, Chandler, yeah. some way Chandler Smith was right behind me and he just kind of follows the path and goes around the racetrack. But so I had, <coughs> I come down pit road and I'm like, this is all in a second. But when I saw that fire, there's an air hose that, um, there's an air hose that runs down into a hole in the leg board right up at the gas pedal. And there's, it's, it's letting air blow into the floorboard of the car, just, just air from a knack duck on the window, right window or something like that, right? So there's air feeding in right there and blowing in there as you're going around the track. And if you've ever seen a car at speed that's on fire, anywhere there's, you know, the wind and the air sort of contains this fire. In, in, a, in a space, in an area. And so I'm thinking, as I'm at speed, the air coming out of that NACA is blowing around that area and sort of a, containing that fire to literally just where it's burning in whatever material it's burning. And as soon as I slow down, and that air and that wind or whatever's tunnel, yeah. whatever that churning of air down there stops, that fire's just going to just going to light up right right i understand what you're saying yeah and so imagine you got a campfire in front of you that's burning right good campfire all of it's burning and you take a weed eater to, or a, a leaf blower to it it's going to blow it's going to blow the flame down certainly there'll be embers and things flying everywhere too but the flames will no longer stand they'll lay down and you can literally put all that air on that campfire and and basically you'll be just looking at burning embers right mm. um you can literally almost blow the campfire out if you wanted to, um, but probably set the woods on fire. So, um, but I'm thinking this air churning down there has got this contained to whatever's on fire. The physical material that's burning is all the, you know, and as soon as I slow down and that air stops moving down there, it's going to, the fire's going to grow. How quickly, I don't know. Right. But it's at my legs. It's, it's burning, it's pinching me. It's burning my skin, right? And so, uh, I come, you know, right, I mean, all this is like in, in a second and a half, and so I come down pit road, and I was like, I had every expectation that the fire was going to get worse, and uh, whatever was inside the car was just going to start burning more quickly um, without that wind sort of tampering it down, and, um, <clears throat> but luckily they, you know, I, and I, and the other thing about why I, I was glad the 20 so i pulled down pit road and i'm looking to the left for who's paying attention mm -hmm. i'm looking at the pit stalls as i'm coming up on one pit stall two pit stall three pit stall and not i'm not really seeing a lot of people that are really looking at me everybody's look got their back to me looking at the big board or looking out right. at the racetrack or whatever and i finally come up on this uh the gibbs crew and they're all looking at me like what what is he doing and so i got their attention and they came over there and the same, like the way I get out of the car is I put my right foot in the floorboard and I stand up in the floorboard and I couldn't because it was on fire was down fire, there. Right. And so I was like, I was trying to figure out how to get out without, you know, not the traditional way I get out. And luckily those guys came over and just yanked me out they of there. They pulled you out. It reminded <laughs> yeah, me back when nice. Jeff Clark, the big old gas man on the boat. He texted me. Oh, did he? Yeah, he yeah. said I would have done the same thing. But. Right. He could just pull you out with one arm almost. Yeah. But these, these big old guys, they can do that, which thankfully they do. I didn't know yeah. that this – you didn't have anything to really brace or leverage yourself I, out because yeah. it's on fire. I was afraid of putting my foot back down there well, of in, course. in that space because yeah. that's where I would need to stand up in the floorboard to get myself headed out the door. But 
they sprayed all this stuff all over the car, which was unfortunate. Brand new car, but they, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do to try to put the fire out. Um, the fire was an electrical issue. Started with the pow- the main power cord. So we get the car home. That's right. Um, <clears throat> the leg board. Uh, so I'll tell you about the power cable. The power cable comes out of the battery box behind the seat. It wraps around the back of the seat and down the shifter tunnel. So the power cord is very is like a half inch thick wire that runs between the seat and the shifter tunnel. It goes down beside me. And when it gets up toward the dash, it just turns vertical and goes straight up to the on-off switch on the dash. And so there's this red power cable that goes from the floorboard to the door to the dash, and it suspends in midair, right? Well, it's it goes down in between the leg board and the shifter tunnel. And when we left the shop, there was inches Mm-hmm. between that shifter board and that cable. There was no problem, no room, no issue, not, not going to rub, right? But the way that the G-forces work at Bristol and the way we lean into the seat and mashing the gas and mashing, lifting, mashing the gas, lifting, that leg board's moving. I'm moving it. That's right. I'm pushing it over and pushing it over and pushing it over, lap after corner after corner after corner. And I literally sawed that cable in in half the leg board the friction of the leg board is basically yeah. wearing out that cable right and so the leg board is made of a carbon fiber which i did not know would have a you know reaction but somehow or another as the carbon fiber leg board is sawing at this um power cable once it gets to the metal of the cable itself it arcs and it set the foam on the leg board on fire mm. and so the foam on the leg board is what was burning and um it ended up burning a hole in the uniform and uh that was what was the pinch that i felt which by the mm. way you, you show us that in your interview yeah. with kim coon and that right there was frightening if, if for me like your uniform was literally burnt a hole yeah. through it but you, well you know. yeah so if I had continued, uh, it would have probably gotten worse. All of the foam on the leg board, which is about a one-by-two-foot piece, all of that was going to continue to burn. Um, And, you know, I would have... I don't know. This probably wouldn't have created... It might have created an electrical issue where it would have probably maybe, maybe, you know, ruined a... uh, the MSD box or something, right? The ignition box. I don't know whether it would eventually shorted something in the ignition itself, mm. or or whatever. But um, basically, um, this was kind of working like the power line. The pa- we were basically like grounding the power line on the battery, like you know when you when you when you have uh, your battery hooked up to a jumper cable and you accidentally touch the tab- cables together. This is kind of what was going on, like corner after corner after corner for. Uh, 100 and some laps and so um it would have probably burned all of that foam uh you know in my mind i'm thinking man you know what else could i have done what what else could i have done i just don't know that i could have done anything differently to be able to continue to race you know um that was the only 
uh, I mean, that's the only disappointing part about all this is that we didn't get to finish where we should have. Like I said, fourth at worst. Yeah. Uh, maybe a win. I don't know if we'd have beat Justin. He was really good at the end. We certainly would have been able to get around probably probably the ten of Hemrick, um, and and uh, ended up running second to Justin. Yeah. A couple things. One is I think it's important. You know, when I was talking to our shop foreman yesterday, it's like there's a there's a a baseline question that any of us who don't know how you know don't build the cars would ask, and that is, well, why is this a problem that just all of a sudden occurs to you yet uh, on Saturday or Friday? Uh, in the race. Well, it's important to note that, you know, when those driver's seats are bolted into that car, like they're all different, yeah. right? And then we have a bunch of little small, <laughs> small, small drivers, drivers, yeah, right? And so the last time that you would have had a scenario where that driver's seat is, uh, you know, uh, requiring additional rooms or whatever you want to call it would have been like Sadler or something. We haven't had a scenario. Usually they've got a lot more foam in between the leg board. <clears throat> Um, in, in that in that cable in that wire, there's foam, and I even looked at it. Um, but this didn't have as much foam, um, and also the way you drive, driving styles, and the way everybody's different, right? Yeah. And you really <clears throat> do, like you said it earlier, you really lean into that. You are putting pressure on it. Yeah. I could understand that because you, I was fortunate a few years ago for you to give me laps at Bristol um, uh, in a ride around, and the G forces, the way your body is thrown into the right of that car every little turn every turn is unbelievable and and there's just no way to really articulate that but yeah. uh but knowing that and then hearing about how you were really kind of leaned into that leg board which that leg board's now basically sawing and and, and rubbing on that cable yeah then it starts to make a little sense and by the way they will fix it they've learned they you know that they, they will fix that and then that won't ever be an issue again but it's very interesting and going back to your performance dale it's as awkward for you to say it's awkward for you to say it's certainly awkward for you to hear but dang man you the whole crowd was captivated by how you were out there leading and wearing them out right yeah. even when you weren't leading you were racing for the win you were racing for the lead up there and it was unbelievable and it made me think and i know that people listening to this also echoed this we you know i was there for the ultimate experience saturday and they're like i've just got to where i don't I don't listen to Dale when he talks about how nervous he is anymore because I just know he's got him covered and he's just messing with <laughs> And I'm like, no, he's really nervous. That's not an act. Yeah. That's not an act. Um, but I understand what you're saying because you were just – I remember leading into Wilkesboro uh, and, the, you know, the first Wilkesboro, <laughs> yeah. uh, the late model race. There you are in third and going, you know, you could maybe win this thing. And then here it is. So I, I know that we don't want to go ever put unexpected or uh, un, unrealistic pressures on you. And I know that you deal with anxiety, but man, you were out there competing and it was so freaking awesome, yeah. dude. It was so awesome watching you in the lead. It was awesome, man. I, I enjoyed it. Got to sign a lot of autographs after the race. There's a big old rail on the exit of the racetrack um, <clears throat> at Bristol where the fans will hang out and got to meet a lot of fans there and got a lot of great text messages. Josh Berry sent me a cool text message uh, after the race that I really appreciated. Oh, can I ask you about Josh Berry? Yeah. Okay, so obviously we had the Junior Motorsports wins the race, yeah. Justin Algar, but we had this other precarious moment in the That's race right. where Josh Berry gets into Sam Mayer. We yeah. uh, take out take all our cars yeah. out. So Josh and Sam had a little contact on the front on the front stretch, seconds like a moment, not even mm -hmm. seconds, like half a second before they crash. They, that I think cut the tire. Um, he cut the tire somewhere. 
and Josh thinks it could have been even before that, but I don't. I think it happened in that moment, knocked the sidewall out the tire, and he went in the corner on a flat, um, on a flat right front. Um, and it just – Bristol, there's a couple things there. Um, I was racing for Hendrick a long time ago and battling Jeff Gordon for fifth or something like that, 50 laps in the race. And I'm, I'm getting – I'm working up under Jeff. And I'm like, damn right, man. My car's better than his. I'm going to pass him. I'm going to pass this boy right here and right now. It's going to happen. And what I should have been doing was going, man, my car's pretty good. I'm going to sit right here. But nope, I'm going to pass Jeff Gordon, boy. I'm running my damn hardest. <laughs> and so uh, we jump up off a of two, and I'm underneath him, and I, t- I touched his left rear just barely. Boop. Just barely touched it. And he went in a three with a left rear tire flat and crashed. I go on and finish the race. I don't know where we ended up. At the end of the race, I come down to uh, Jeff's holler, and I go in there, and Alan Gusterson chewed my ass. He let me have it. And uh, it took us a long time to talk about that and, and get over, you know get beyond that, but, man, was he disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so um, <clears throat> I told Josh, I said, that kind of reminded me of that moment, man. I was running I was running as hard as I could. I'm in the middle of a race at Bristol and I'm racing my teammate and I did not mean to cut his tire, but it happened. And if you put good race cars out on the racetrack and you put multiple good race cars out on the racetrack, in this case four or five that night, they're bound to run in each other. They're gonna hit at times. They're gonna crash, they're gonna crash into each other, and Lord, we have experienced it this year. More than usual. Yes. And I have said to our t- drivers Guys, we don't want to do that. We'd want to avoid running into each other. Now, run into the other cars, but not each other. <laughs> but it's still going to happen. Yeah. You know, and that's a it's a bull ring. It's Bristol. We, I sat in the, I sat in the competition meeting with all of them yesterday, and we watched not even half the race. We watched a lot of clips though, and in every one of those clips, somebody's hitting somebody in the in the door. But it doesn't cut a tire in that instance. Unfortunately for Josh, it did. Um, and he goes down in the corner and can't turn. The car is going to go straight. And, uh, you know, it's it goes straight into Sam. It's unfortunate for Sam. But yeah. it's not nothing Josh did intentionally. And so it sucks. And now it's hurt them in the points. But I'm not going to go. There's no... There's nothing that tells me that somebody needs their ass chewed. Got it. Yeah. It just isn't. How are Sam and Josh doing? They'll uh, be Sam, fine. Sam had some comments. You know, that's 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 you know, that's a bit disappointing, you know. You don't want your drivers going at each other in the media. Um I think it's um I think it's a situation where if you know if, if you feel like there's a question about what happened there you talk to the driver right you go see them and you handle it and uh, you don't get in front of the media and air dirty laundry or say things that you might have to back up mm-hmm. right or you might have to reel in um it's it's easy, it's easy for me to say that i'm not sitting in that situation heated and pissed off right um and i'm not i've not been perfect in front of the microphone my whole career but as an owner i definitely don't want our drivers 
speaking negatively about each other uh, ever yeah. in the media, yeah. even if they believe it, and even if it's warranted. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and, and as you say that, I'm thinking about people that do – do a good job with that, but still, it doesn't mean that they're not pissed off. Chase Elliott comes to mind. Chase Elliott's not going to say he, but 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 he might as well. It's written yeah. all over his face, but he's not going to. Well, go I try mean, to do you can say Kyle Larson or something. No, but you can say I, I don't know what happened, and I want to know, and I'm going to talk to. That's true. You could do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, well. And and that that's something that I think you work on, right? That's something I think that if anything needs work, after all of that, it's it's the it's how we communicate, you know, our our opinions to the media. Um. <clears throat> so moving on, I had a great time. Thanks. I'm even I'm more excited about Homestead than I was. I was pretty super excited about it. Now even more. Now I don't want to get the expectations up there, but we are taking the same car. We're going to get that thing stripped down, tore apart, and put it back together. Um, it's a good little race car, so I'm excited to be able to take it back to the racetrack. Well, um, congratulations as being you are the race winning owner of that race too. I did, by the way. yeah. We yeah. won. Yeah, <laughs> Justin won. Got to ride up the ramp. It was a it was a great way to end the night. Assume that was an impromptu moment. Yeah. You had no. Uh, well, I went up to Victory Lane and I'm standing there and I'm waiting on him to come and I saw his dad riding on the door and I said, I want to ride up the ramp. <laughs> I want to ride up the ramp. <laughs> So we're riding up the ramp. I'm going down there, and I'm going to climb in the door like Rick Hendrick, and I'm going to ride up the ramp. Yeah. And so that's what we did. Oh, that's right. You you did have a precedent. You knew it could work because Rick Hendrick Rick's did that. Yep, yeah. That's right. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open i don't want to miss a thing yeah you, you know you gotta act quick yes and when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead it's like if you're hiring for a business you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up mm. so what's the best way to do that zip recruiter zip recruiter finds qualified candidates fast and right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash dale jr ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. There's only, you know, we can cover the cup race. I was only one thing I want to talk about. All right. Is Denny and his words on his post-race interview. Okay. So, um, you know, Denny says, I beat your favorite driver. Right. And they go, which one? And he says, all of them, you know. Uh, as hated as Denny has become for a, a you know, a, a portion of the NASCAR fan base, uh, you know, and his his efforts to really lean into um, playing the heel or whatever you want to call it, right? I don't, I don't even know what it is, right? Um, <clears throat> I'll just say this, man. To be, you know, the guy just won the race. He's feeling good. He's in a great mood. 
But even then, to be put on the spot in front of 100,000 people in attendance and then a couple million watching at home and to have the perfect comeback or the perfect thing to say. Rarely do we have personalities like that in in our sport. You think about, you know, we've we've been talking a lot of wrestling here lately. And great wrestlers are meant, remembered not only for their matches but mostly for their promos, right? Mm-hmm. Their ability to lure you in with a few words or say the right thing at the right moment and play the character, right? And damn it, Danny nailed it nailed in it. that moment. Nailed it. Yeah. Um we need we need something to continue to carry this season, right? Um, we've got some cool storylines, but dang, man, if somebody can stand up and 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 play either either the hero or the villain leading into these final few weeks, let's go. Yeah, he he uh, in that moment he uh, was polarizing, right? Whether you love him or hate him, he got your attention. And that was a master class in what we need our drivers to be doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, we don't all need them to act like Denny, but we need them to take advantage of those moments and say something that you're never going to forget. Say something that belongs on a damn T-shirt. Maximize the moment, right? There's a moment, you, and, and it goes yes. by quick. And so, and I and and my best advice, I guess, to to guys that are like, well, I don't, you know, I just want to get out of that interview, right? I just want to go to Victor Lane and get with my team. I really don't care about doing that interview, right? Um, when you're in those moments, man, say exactly what's in your heart. That was Denny. That yeah. is who Denny is. Oh yeah, to, to be clear, it's a great analogy about the promos on wrestling, but that that wasn't uh, rehearsed or anything. Hell no. And he ele- he elaborates or alludes to that on his podcast this week, where he was saying that 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 smack talk that he loves, yeah, whether it's on the basketball court or the yeah. golf course, it motivates him. And I used to think that people would say that just almost as a cliche or just yeah. a way to rationalize yeah. it, but the more he gets booed. I think the better he gets. Yeah. For some reason, I like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's possible, but I just know that when we're when you're you know when you're trying to figure out who your driver is and you think you know who that driver is and you think you know their personality and what they might be like sitting on their couch at home watching TV or what they might be like if you were to go to a, you know a game with them or something, you learn just now just then that's Denny. That's the way Denny is. That's who he is. He loves to shoot. He loves to smack talk. He is really being genuine in that moment. Yeah, not personal, by the way. He's not. He's not trying to. You know, he's trying to get a. Uh, you know, yeah. evoke a reaction, of yeah. course. But I think that that's because he feeds on it. But he's not trying to make it personal. Yeah, man, that was a massive thing. And I think you know, uh, is you know, is it, it sort of hopefully is you know what we'll see more of as we move forward into this playoffs whether denny wins or not right we'll see more um either denny's continuing to talk and 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 
you know, hype his success, uh, or if it does go bad, you know, the whole, you know, the whole uh, fan base, you know, gets riled up in in enjoying his failure, whatever, right? I mean, and he knows it. Yeah, he knows he's setting himself up one way or another. That's right, right? And he's fine with it. I think it's brave, and I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a risk. He's taking a risk. Truex, you know, years ago, said. Well, he won the battle tonight after Martinsville with Logano, but he ain't going to win the war. In that moment, Truex really believed that, and he said a cliche that resonated with fans in that moment. For the next 24 hours, that was what fans talked about, whether mm. they were believing what Martin was saying or not, whether they were, well, that's bullshit, he ain't going to win, or Martin don't know what he's talking about, or, yeah, Martin, go get their ass. It's not whether you liked it or hated it. It did get everybody's attention. Martin threw down a, you know, Martin had, Martin did a promo in that moment. You know, that's what that's what it's all about. Yeah. What did you remember when, you know, do you when Denny and Logano got into it at Martinsville? Do you do, can you remember exactly what happened on the racetrack? Probably not, but you remember Denny getting like, out there and and mocking Joey. Yes. You remember that? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And you know, you ain't gonna remember from that cup race the other night but you gonna remember what denny said on the front straightaway when he got out and won the same way i don't remember what kyle bush did when he would win all those races at bristol but i do remember him doing the sobbing you know yeah. eyes and also the bowels when he did that like he knew what he was doing yeah you, you do run a risk of that backfiring on you but the key is to not care yeah but and and that's you know i just gotta say like more of that please all of that from all our drivers like get into the moment live this thing to the fullest give us your true genuine self in those moments yeah. that front straightaway interview whether people some fans don't love it some fans want the driver to sure. not go to the front straightaway and do the interview but as long as it's here while it's here like that is the moment man to really let it go yeah. and 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 tell us tell us what exactly is going on upstairs um and and Denny just and he continued all night long through his press conference, all his social media content. He just leaned into all of that, right? Um, and Even he, into Monday, and then he in, into Monday on actions detrimental. Yeah. yeah. So uh, pretty awesome stuff. Um, I'm curious as to how it's going to go down for Denny. Does he win the championship this year? Does he? Does he? Does he come up short again? I gotta watch. All right, everybody, it's White Flag. Real quick, we talked about Algar winning earlier in the show. Well, we should mention that he does advance to the round of eight. That's a big deal. It's in the NASCAR Xfinity playoffs. And, uh, you know, he did announce that in his post-race interview, he will return to JRM in 2024. So everyone's really excited about that. Uh, it was also very cool to see Rick Brandt and, and, and Sierra in victory lane at Bristol. You guys might have saw this. 63 Cup and Xfinity Series drivers wore skeleton gloves at Bristol for the Dale Jr. Foundation's Driven to Give Glove Program. We appreciate all the drivers and teams that participated in that. The Dale Jr. Foundation's Driven to Give event is tonight, by the way, so that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we did an ultimate experience in Bristol, and some of the giveaway prizes, some of the raffles were the Buster Gets, on, uh, gets Back on Track book. Well, Buster Gets Back on Track is now officially out today. By the way, Dale, you're going to New York City here on Thursday to promote that book, so have fun with that. Speaking of the ultimate experience, I want to say thank you to everybody that was there. We had a blast. It was so much fun watching races. This probably was, I don't know if it was one of the rowdiest. It might have been because, you know, they they opened up the suites early. They 
kept us there late because there were a few delays with weather which means there was just a ton of alcohol consumed, frankly. And so that was, uh, it, was a, it was a ton of fun. Great people. Enjoyed uh, getting to know many of them. Some of them we already knew because they uh, were returned customers. So a uh, lot of fun. Thank you for everybody that was there and uh, look forward to the next one. Check out our Dirty Mo Media podcast. We got a ton. Actions Detrimental was fantastic this week. Door Bumper Clear also. Matt Weaver was amazing. Love that guy. Hard-working journalist in NASCAR and in all of racing. Grassroots. I mean, like, the dude covers it all. Um, really appreciate him joining those guys. Speed Street's going to drop tomorrow. And a new Dirty Mo Doe with Steve Letarte. That'll be out Thursday. Uh, we've got Justin Haley coming in on the download tomorrow. That's going to be fun. We'll have our normal show on Thursday. Next week, we are taking Dale Jr. Download on the road for our Wednesday and Thursday shows. We're going to go to Lernerville for the High Limit Sprint Car Series race. We'll talk more about it next Tuesday, but we are excited about that. I know Dale is pumped. Now, we're going to end here with an Apple review. We love our Apple reviews. If you uh, will indulge us, send us one. Make it a five-star. If you don't think it's five stars worthy, man, you know, be honest. We'll be honest back and saying that we did not appreciate it. But the fact is uh, we do appreciate five stars. And Brenda924, you gave us one. You said anyone who likes NASCAR needs to listen to this podcast. I'm with you, Brenda. But she says, I wish there was a new episode every day. Um, well, three times a week, that's what we can give you right now. But thank you for that review. And Dale, we're going to throw this back to you, buddy. You know, Mike, after I got done with my media at bristol friday night run the race right mm -hmm. get done with running the race and i go into the media center i was actually over by the uh i was actually i went to victory lane and then i went over to my car to talk to my you know the guys that worked on my car just say hey y'all you know what'd y'all learn what you, you know and, and hey thanks that was yeah. awesome great week great great race great car everything's great <clears throat> they came by and said hey will you go to the media center i said sure no problem i'll do anything you need <clears throat> go down to the media center and sit down and was just answering questions from the media. I look over and Daniel Hemrick's standing there. So I thought Daniel Hemrick was waiting on me because he was going to then do his top three yeah. media. But he is, uh, he'd already done it, I suppose. Wow, I didn't know that. And so he's standing there waiting. I didn't know that either. So he's standing there waiting, waiting, waiting. And I was like, man, you know, you come on up here. I'll just get up. I'll, you know, one comes in, one leaves, right? I'd been up there a while doing questions, and I was ready for Daniel to take over. But uh, they finally said, all right, we're done. Dale, thanks for coming. I get down, and I walk over there, and I was, I said, hey, man, good run tonight, everything. He goes, I uh, just stayed here. I'm, I, he, I didn't know he wasn't going up there. He was done. He said, I stayed here because I wanted to tell you something. I was like, what? He goes, I wanted to tell you thank you. Thank you for, you know, the little bit that I ran with Junior Motorsports and how that was part of my career, part of my growth. Um, it, it helped me. It was beneficial for me. Um, what a nice gesture. Man. Such a nice guy. You know, Daniel, I've raced with him. We, he's raced here. I've raced against him. Uh, we've had run-ins with him with Noah and yep. all that. And, um, you know, but as a person, man, he is good. A bit of, uh, a bit of sad news. Obviously, I think everybody in the industry is well aware this past uh, week, uh, Sherry Pollock's passed away. Um, she was a great friend of everyone in the industry and um, a friend of Amy's and mine and everyone in this room. Uh, just a very um, hard to believe sort of situation because she had fought so hard for so many years to um, 
win her battle with cancer. And there were times when she felt like she had that under control. And but it was this uh, it was a long, long uh, drawn out um, battle. And um, through, uh, you know, her friendship with Amy and and her relationship with Martin uh, Truex over the years, I mean, I got I I got to uh, spend a lot of time with her, but also saw how difficult that was for her in many phases of her treatment. She did a lot for a lot of people. That's an understatement, I think, um, because of the charitable initiative through the Martin Tricks Jr. Foundation and Sherry Strong. Um, I don't think we'll ever be able to measure uh, the effect that she's had on so many people's lives uh, and will continue to uh, affect people's lives long uh, after we're all gone. So um, pretty incredible what she's been able to do and who she was able to transform herself into how she became more and more motivated to make a difference. I will say this, man, when she learned about her illness, uh, she totally, you know, there's that song that Tim McGraw sings, Live Like You Were Dying, and mm-hmm. damn, dude, she she was exactly that. Mm-hmm. Every day. Um, I followed her on all of her social media. She made an effort to go be out there making memories with the people she cared about and spent so much. She really changed her motivation and effort um in life that would inspire anybody uh we all live and go and do and and you know to work and back and and we have all these things that we put ourselves through and when she was faced with that reality uh with her with her illness um she lived the way we all wish we had the guts to you know and um so that that to me was um watching that over the last several years was really really cool you know i think that she uh she kind of worked really hard to come to some understanding with her situation um and she i think she really did a lot of searching emotionally and mentally over the years to uh and i don't think anyone was more prepared for what she was facing and what she would eventually face than her. Um, but she affected all of our lives in a great positive way. She's going to be missed so badly by everyone. Um, and, you know, it's uh, been very impactful on the industry and everybody that knew her. Yeah, I think you said it best. I, I don't, I don't want to change a thing that you said right there. I will just add that she will continue to affect us. Yeah. I mean, when, when when I want to feel bad or feel feel sorry for myself, you can just think of Sherry. When you, you know, want to feel like you want to conquer a day, make the most out of a single day, you think about Sherry, right? Sherry's the one who will continue to be our our role model for that. And that's the that's the legacy, man. If we could all leave this place with a legacy like that, right. then we will have succeeded, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to miss her. I am for sure. And um, But, but she, we'll, we'll think about her every day because she will continue to inspire us. <laughs>